Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. 40, still 40, 43 degrees and sunny outside at 409 here on this Monday, February 5th, 2024. You can catch us anywhere you get your favorite podcast or anywhere on the Odyssey app. The Rob O'Donnell Show is brought to you by Road Scholar Transport. You have unique shipping needs, and Road Scholar has unique shipping solutions. Dry van, temperature controlled, and high security are just a few. Visit roadscholar.com. Last week, I was telling you guys a story about a friend of mine from uh, Tennessee who had a neighbor, a young girl, 11-year-old girl, who went missing. Thankfully, law enforcement was able to track her down, and she was with a 38-year-old career sex offender who had groomed her, convinced her to leave her house, and it's still, this is an ongoing investigation, so I only have certain details of it. To leave her house after midnight one night and uh, abducted her. Thankfully, they were caught at the Tennessee border where the suspect attempted to run over multiple detectives that were trying to free the girl. They opened fire and killed the suspect. Now, obviously, the girl is 11. There are a bunch of issues that are going on with that um, as far as what they're doing now as far as therapy, a change of environment, uh, supervision, and such like that. But we talked about the the costs of social media and how you have to be involved in your children's social media life. And I, I said it on Friday, if your children is 12 or under, you need to have total control of every aspect of their social media profiles their passwords, their logins. You need to be able to have their device at least once a week to look through it to make sure there's nothing in there. Now, from 12 to up to 18, it's a balancing act where you still need, we still pay for these devices, you still need the the availability to check to make sure our kids are safe. They might not be happy about it, but we're not here to be your kids' friends. We're not here to be our kids' friends. We're here to be their guardians, their parents. And sometimes that's a tough uh, Bill, to live up to, but I have faith in the parents out there, and I think we should. This suspect's background, criminal record, plus some information I'm going to relay to you from here in Pennsylvania, just shows how broken this system is. A background check on the individual, and I'm not going to say his name, even though it's publicly out there, but I really don't care to promote his name, even though he's dead, thankfully. The Catoosa County court clerk tells us that he pled guilty in 2003 to sexually exploitation of children, four counts of aggravated assault, and two counts of obstruction of justice. He was sentenced to 10 years of probation. So in 2003, this individual pled guilty to sexual exploitation of children, four counts of aggravated assault, and two counts of obstruction of justice, and was sentenced to just 10 years probation as part of that plea agreement. Five years later, in 2008, he was charged with nine counts, nine counts of sexual exploitation of children. He was later convicted 
and sentenced to 20 years in prison, but was released after serving half of that sentence in 2018. Although he remained on the Georgia's sex offender registry. So in 2003, he pleads to sexual exploitation of children, four counts of aggravated assault, which means at least four times or to four different children he assaulted sexually, two counts of obstructing justice. Five years later, while still on probation, charged with nine counts of sexual exploitation of children. Convicted and sentenced to 20 years in prison, only serves half. Gets out in 2018. Just last week, exploits this 11-year-old girl in Tennessee, abducts her, and thankfully, the police used necessary force when he ran three of them over while trying to take the girl outside of state lines. That just goes to show you how broken this system is when it comes to this sort of thing, all the way back to 2003. Few things you can do here at home. You need to be very familiar with our state's Megan Law website. You can log into it. Just do a, a internet search for Megan's Law, Pennsylvania Megan's Law. You'll get it. You'll log in. You could do it by your zip code. You could do it by where you work. You could do it by where you live. It'll tell you, first of all, anyone who's a sexually registered predator around you. That's step number one. That should be a give me. There's a story today in today's Times Tribune, and it said a crime in the shadows. Officials say sex trafficking numbers don't accurately depict grim reality. One of the things that jumped out at me, and again, this was from 2018 to 2022, this map, how many sex trafficking cases there are here in Pennsylvania. Lackawanna County, there were 18 between 2018 and 2022. Monroe County, 24. Luzerne County, 5. Northampton County, 17. Lehigh County, 22. Schuylkill County, 17. Berks County, 104. Bucks County, 28. Montgomery County, 68. Chester County, 78. Delaware County, 62. Philadelphia County, 94. Lancaster, 35. Lebanon, 19. Dolphin County, 85. York County, 29. Schuylkill County, 17. Susquehanna County, 2. Bradford County, 3. There is not a state, there is not a county in Pennsylvania that has not have had a sex trafficking case between 2018 and 2022. Parents need to be very well, well aware of this. The east side of Pennsylvania has two to three more times cases than the rest of the state combined. Allegheny County, where Pittsburgh, 15 cases. We have more cases in Lackawanna County of sex trafficking than they did in Allegheny County, where Pittsburgh is located. Blair County in the middle in the middle of the state, 64, comes closest. But I just went down the entire east portion of the state. 
Now, the southeast portion of the state is greater by a lot, with Dolphin, Berks, Chester, and Philadelphia County being the worst. Montgomery County, Delaware County, and Blair County come in right after that. But then you have Lackawanna County, Monroe County, Northampton, Lehigh, Schuylkill, and Bucks County are right up there as well. Lancaster, York, Cumberland, Lebanon, Lycoming County with 32. These are sex trafficking cases in Pennsylvania. It's the fastest growing criminal enterprising prize worldwide, human trafficking. According to the United States Advisory Council on Human Trafficking. Data from the 2019 released in 2021 by the National Human Trafficking Hotline showed Pennsylvania in the top 10 states with reported cases of sex trafficking at number eight. So Pennsylvania is listed as number eight. Current statistics bump the state down to number 15. Among neighboring states, New York ranks fourth, Ohio sixth, and New Jersey 18th. I just told you a story of someone I know, their neighbor, and I read to you their background. You need to be proactive when it comes to things like this. Every parent, grandparent listening to me now, if you're a teenager listening to me now, go to the Pennsylvania Megan's Law website. Check your zip code. Check who lives around you. It has pictures. Tells you what car they drive. Tells you where they work. Know what they've been arrested for. Know who's around you. That's not a catch-all either. I mean, this person in Tennessee here, who was arrested twice prior, was on the Georgia Sex Offender Registry. But this was in Tennessee. Like I said, Pennsylvania was at number eight in the nation in human sex trafficking. We're down to 15. That's still very high. But the east coast of Pennsylvania, the east side, the counties, I just listed to you the open cases between 2018 and 2022. I cannot stress enough to be proactive when it comes to this. It's uh, 420 here at WILK. Time for traffic and weather. <laughs> you saw that, didn't you? That microphone didn't want I, I, I don't think it wants me to be... Yeah, I don't belong too close to this microphone. I'm sorry. This Pentelladata Internet Traffic Update looks like we have um, no major backups on 81 or 8476. The PA Turnpike, they all look good. You can expect some delays on North Kaiser Avenue in Scranton. There's some pretty heavy traffic there, as well as North Main Street in Scranton. That is bumper to bumper. Whenever you see a traffic problem, call our jam line, 570-883-7269. Nikki Stone with your WILK Penteladata Internet Traffic Update. We're going to throw more and more in there, see? (laughs) Oh, my gosh, it's Monday, isn't it? Yes, it is. Here's Thank you, Ninky. Here's the Storm Tracker 16 forecast from Chief Meteorologist Kurt Aaron. This afternoon, mostly sunny, high 43. That's not true. The high was 44. 
Um, tonight, decreasing clouds and cold, low 25. Tuesday, mostly sunny and mild, high 42 again. Tuesday night, mostly clear and cold, low 27. Wednesday, mostly sunny and mild, high 46. Thursday, mix of sun and clouds, high 52. It's currently 43 degrees and sunny as the sun goes down here at 422 at your official weather station, WILK. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show here on WILK News Radio. 43 degrees and sunny outside at 425. Got some text messages uh, in. Somebody asks, isn't there some way a person like that should be banned from social media and the Internet for their entire life? Can we do that? Uh, that would be hard to do. Uh, should it be done? Absolutely. But it would be hard to enforce. It would, it would pretty much be unenforceable. Somebody said, I'm sorry, but our laws are broken when it comes to this. Second offenses, they should be put to death. Uh, death is probably a little extreme, even though I, I like the way you're thinking. But I don't think we'd get that part. And, and I also got a text message in through uh, Facebook that shows uh, the Plymouth Police Department. He arrested a Georgia man for human trafficking, saying that people have no idea it's happening here. They need to tell their daughters, nieces, sisters, and sons. Human trafficking is not a, just a female-specific. You know, I posted something today on, on my social media about reducing crime. Do you want to reduce crime? Minimum 10 years in prison, no plea, no parole, for the use of any semi-automatic rifle during a violent felony. The use of any extended magazine during a violent felony. Dealing any drug that tests positive for fentanyl. Any third strike felony. Make crime unaffordable for the people who want to commit crime. Think about it. You're dealing drugs. If it tests positive and you get, if you get snatched up just for dealing drugs, I don't care if it's marijuana. I don't care what it's for. If it tests positive for fentanyl. Minimum 10 years in jail. Do you think drug dealers would be more cautious on what drugs they sell and where they get them from? It's a deadly drug, right? We've, we've all agreed on that. If you're caught dealing any drug that has traces of fentanyl, no matter how small, 10 years in prison. Any third strike felony. If you're committing your third felony, and I don't care what kind of felony it is. You're obviously not learning a lesson. If you're on your third strike felony, minimum 10 years in prison, no plea, no parole. Yeah, we'd have to build a couple more prisons. But once the message is sent out, I guarantee you they start stop using those weapons. I guarantee you they stop using the extended magazines. I guarantee you even drug dealers are more cautious about what they sell. Some won't care until they start getting put away. And then they're off the streets. Some will be replaced by others, and then you do the same thing. This is the way you deter crime. You make it unaffordable. You make the penalty so harsh that they think twice. We're not doing that now. There's a New Jersey-based gang of migrants, illegal migrants, charging $6,000 a head to smuggle illegal immigrants into the United States from Canada. Quite an enterprise for these already illegal migrants. 
A New Jersey-based illegal migrant gang of smuggling hordes of illegal immigrants into the United States across Canadian border at a price of $6,000 a head. The human smuggling gang took root after its founders were briefly detained and cut loose by federal immigration authorities themselves. The ringleaders, migrants from Guatemala and Colombia, snuck across the Mexican border and set up shop in the Garden State of New Jersey running the lucrative scheme while dodging the feds, according to a report. While U.S. Border Patrol agents grapple with an overwhelming flow of asylum seekers from Mexico, the Jersey-based gang has helped spark an under-the-radar surge in crossings among the northern border. With the huge asylum seeker concentrations and with all the other people crossing the border, with the huge increase in the amount of enforcement that's going on at the southern border, it's probably, if you have the option, a lot easier to get in without inspection across the Canadian border, a professor of immigration studies at CUNY Graduate Center said. The migrant smugglers are capitalizing on it, charging a hefty bounty to sneak immigrants from Quebec into Vermont, where scrutiny is much less intense. In June, Elmer Braun Galvez allegedly a driver for smuggling, the smuggling ring, was stopped by border agents in Franklin, Vermont, transporting four illegal immigrants, telling authorities he was paid around 1800 for each illicit passenger, but was not charged, according to authorities. Last year, more than 10,000 migrants were busted trying to enter the U.S. from Canada illegally, nearly five times the 2022 figure an indication of the massive rush across the northern border. Two of the New Jersey gang ring leaders, John Riena Perez, 34, and Victor Lopez Padilla, 35, were finally arrested by federal authorities, but it hasn't stopped the flow of migrants. Riena Perez, a Colombian national, crossed the U.S. southern border in Texas in April of 2022 and was released pending immigration proceedings but failed to check in with authorities and was busted again in October of that year, only to be released again. Lopez Padilla, who is from Guatemala, crossed the U.S. into the U.S. from Arizona in 2019, was also released pending future proceedings, leaving him and his accomplices free to run the smuggling scam. Lopez Padilla may have ties to jailed narco-trafficker El Chapo, the alleged co-ringleader making several references to the drug kingpin and his Facebook account. Despite now being in custody on a third, uh, a third cohort identified as Guatemalan national Simone Juanito Ramos remains on the loose and is now running the operation because Mexico is on Canada's list of visa-exempt countries. Migrants can head there for an easier route to the U.S., if they come up with the cash to pull it off. But our system's not broken. Coming in in 2019 and 2022, setting up a $6,000 a head operation to smuggle in illegal immigrants. We catch them, and he admits to Border Patrol, I'm paid $1,800 a person to bring them in, and we release them all again. It's incredible. It's 4.32 here at WILK. It's time for the news with Paul Michaels. We'll be back. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. 43 degrees and sunny here at 438. 
here on this uh, Monday, February 5th, 2024. This is the opponent of the show where we honor our heroes here in America who made the ultimate sacrifice. 61 police officers made the ultimate sacrifice on this day throughout history. One of them from here in our area. Police officer William George McCracken, Philadelphia Police Department. 1984. Collapsed and died inside the 23rd District Police Station after breaking up disorderly crowd on Spruce Street near 15th and chasing one suspect. He was a 14-year veteran of the force, survived by his wife and son. I would assume a heart attack. It does not state that. It just says he collapsed and died. Could have had a stroke, a heart attack, something that matter. But breaking up a disorderly crowd and chasing someone was the what happened there and collapsed in the station house. And I just saw, this is actually, it's actually from six days ago, but the Wilkes-Barre Township Police Benevolent Association just posted it that uh, Mayor Carl Caroon issued the oath of office to a newest addition to the police department there, who was previously employed as a part-time officer. He also worked for the Ashley Borough Police Department. And we thank him for his service and uh, wish him luck on his duties at the Wilkesbury Township Police Department. So we'll have that now. I uh, also got a text message, and we were talking about uh, the sexual predators and, and watching out for our kids. And, and I, I don't mean to scare anyone. I just mean you have to be vigilant. It's out there. It's around us. Uh, listen, I have grown kids, two of them daughters, 21 and 22. Uh, I reevaluate my plans often. You know, I, I reevaluate the surroundings often, but I also check around. It's it's interesting, and I'll tell you a quick story. And this was probably about 10 years ago. Uh, my wife observed, and we live on a real rural place. My wife observed someone walking down our road that was kind of looking at the houses a little too much. Like, not just going for a walk. People walk our road all the time but was really kind of looking around the house and looking at the sides and went to the neighbors as he walked down the road and did more and more. She called me at work and said, you know, he's really casing each house, and I've never seen this guy before. And I said, all right, well, just keep an eye on him and see, uh, see where he goes. So she kind of lost sight of him down when he, when he kind of curved around past our house about a half mile down. So she jumped in her car. I, I, I called the, uh, our local chief and said, hey, the, you know, you just don't mind driving by there. Something's just off with this guy. You know, it raised my wife's radar. She's keeping an eye on him. She says he's just really acting suspicious. And as my wife drove up the road, now, again, she had her doors locked. She was just going to drive up the road, drive past him to see where he was, if he was still walking or what happened or where he went or if he just disappeared. Uh, as she approached, he jumped into the woods and hid. So she drove up the road, and as she got to the end of our road, the police chief was coming down our road, which I was on the phone with. And uh, she said, he's down there. He just jumped in the woods on the right-hand side. He's down there. So the, he went down there, and he says, hey, you know, come on out. The guy comes out, and uh, he starts questioning him. It turns out he was just released from prison at Waymart, which is a good 15 miles from our house. Uh, they dumped him in Carbondale, and he was walking around looking for an empty house to stay. And it just goes to show you how being observant and how it could just come out of nowhere. We live on a very rural, nice road. And, uh, you know, they picked him up and brought him back down 
and brought him into town. And then he ended up eventually breaking into a house in that town where he was dropped off because at that point he didn't break any laws. Don't they put them in halfway houses, though? I mean, that's the thing. I think the problem with our system right now— They just dumped them off with nowhere to go, nowhere. Exactly. No money in their pocket, nothing and like that. And, no, I thought there were halfway houses, though, for some of Some the people there are. Some, some places there are, but a but, lot of places there's not. And that leads to more problems. Instead of being able to become a productive member of society, they get stuck in the same old rut. I'm not making excuses for anybody, but here's a guy that needs a place to stay who might be willing to better his life, and he's left wandering. Well, here, here's here's how this goes through. Any house on my road being farmers and the people that are on my road, he probably would have not have ended up well if he would have tried to get in one of those houses, including my own. Right. But the police chief picked him up, and though he said, you know, I was looking for a place to stay, I was looking for a vacant house to stay in, but he didn't break any laws yet. Mm-hmm. So he took him back into town and says, listen, you need to figure out where to go, catch a bus to somewhere, do what you need to do. Later that night, he ends up breaking into a house in that town. So now he's back in jail. But he could have died if he broke on a house on on, on, on my your road. road. Now, did he break into a house or did he find a place that well, he was, thought it, was empty? It, no, it was an empty house that he broke into. There was just no one home. I mean, he wasn't looking for a vacant house. He was looking for an empty house. Oh, so he could take a nap. So he did break into a house. Yeah. You know, and But for a place to stay, yeah. not necessarily to steal. He ended up setting off a silent alarm for that house. Ooh. The police came and caught him. Now he's was on his way back. And again, this was 10 years ago, but it just goes to show you, you never know what's around you. And right. this all stem, stems from the sex trafficking and, you know, knowing who's around you at Megan's Law and stuff like that. But you never know you who's around you. You need to be observant about what's going on. Yes. Most definitely. All right. I got another station. Time for traffic and weather. Thank you. <laughs> Looks like we have a little bit of heavy traffic heading up the Hill Route 6 and 11 in Clark Summit. You can expect some delays on Blakely Street in Dunmore. Jefferson Avenue in Scranton is also bumper to bumper. And North River Street in Plains has a lot of traffic. No problems on our interstates, however. Whenever you see a traffic problem, call our jam line 570-883-7269. Nikki Stone with your WILK traffic update. Thank you, Nikki. Here's the Storm Tracker 16 forecast from Chief Meteorologist Kurt Aaron. Tonight, decreasing clouds and cold, low 25. Tuesday, mostly sunny and mild, high 42. Tuesday night, mostly clear and cold, low 27. Wednesday, mostly sunny and mild, high 46. Thursday, mix of sun and clouds, high 52. It's currently 42 degrees and sunny here at 445. You're not going to rile me up, Jake. Not letting you rile me up. It's only Monday. February 5th here on WILK News Radio with the Rob O'Donnell Show. 42 degrees and sunny outside at 440, almost 449. Let's point that time in history. Today in history, you know, we don't know where we're going unless we know where we've been. Uh, I found this one interesting. Congress passed the Immigration Act of 1917 over President Woodrow Wilson's veto, also known as the Asiatic Barred Zone Act. It forbid immigration from nearly all of South and Southeast Asia. That's not all. Could you imagine trying to pass something like this uh, today, Jake? You got to hear what this Immigration Act was about. The United States Congress passed the Immigration Act of 1917, also known as the Asiatic Barred Zone Act, which, with an overwhelming majority, 
overriding President Woodrow Wilson's December 14, 1916 veto. The act added to the number of undesirables banned from entering the country, including, but not limited to, Jake, you're going to get a kick out of this list of uh, who was not allowed to immigrate to America in 1917 as per an act of Congress, majority of Congress, um, including but not limited to homosexuals, idiots, feeble-minded persons, criminals, epileptics, insane persons, alcoholics, professional beggars, all persons mentally or physically defective, polygamists, anarchists, Furthermore, it barred all immigration over the age of 16 who were illiterate. Wow. That's quite a list. Right? 1917, huh? But the most controversial, uh, out of that list I just stated, the most controversial part of the law was the section designated for the Asiatic Barred Zone, a region that included much of Asia and Pacific Islands from which people could not immigrate. Previously, only Chinese had been excluded from admission to the country. Attempts to introducing literally tests, literacy tests were previously vetoed by Grover Cleveland in 1897 and William Taft in 1913. Wilson also objected to its clause in the Immigration Act, but it was still passed by Congress on the fourth attempt. Anxiety in the United States about immigration has often been directed towards immigrants from China and Japan, The Chinese Exclusion Act of 1882 barred Chinese from entering the U.S. The Gentlemen's Agreement of 1907 was made with Japan to regulate Japanese immigration to the U.S. The Immigration Act of 1917 is one of many immigration acts during this time period which arose from nativist sentiment. These immigrant laws were intentional efforts to control the composition of the immigrant flow into the United States. Well, that's what immigration law is supposed to do, but I think they were way off. And it just goes to show you that how, yes, immigration law needs to be updated every now and then. But it just goes to show you back in 1917 how much we've become a more perfect union since then. And we continue to evolve and become better. It's uh, 4.52 here at WILK. We'll be back in just a minute. Let me tell you a little bit about BudgetBlinds.com. Listen, you're going to go to BudgetBlinds.com. You're going to get in contact with Tom or Rick, owners of your local budget blind location. They are the experts at this, I'm telling you. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It's 4.55. Well... Jake, I hope you got your headphones on because, I, first of all, I got a text message in, hey, Jake, the NASCAR race was on. So Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was an excellent call by NASCAR. It was shortly a little before this time on Saturday afternoon when they made um, the decision to move the Bush Clash up to Saturday night, 8 o'clock Eastern time. And thankfully, they were able to get the entire race in because it has been raining in Los Angeles nonstop ever since about late Saturday night there. Yeah, so, great job, NASCAR. Of, the meteorological uh, river that they're getting flooded yeah. there, and they, they don't—they don't deal with rain very well there. Then yeah. uh, maybe they should build the infrastructure and how to capture it and save it for when they when they do need it. Uh, another sports story that I wanted to talk about today sure. is Patrick Mahone Senior was just arrested for DUI again. Yeah, I believe this is the third DUI for Patrick Mahone Senior, and he's facing anywhere from. 
two to 10 years in prison. And I read on Twitter earlier today that when they pulled him over over the weekend, one of the things that they noticed in, in the car was there was a bear in there. There was a bear in there. They tried doing all the sobriety tests and whatnot, and he showed many, many different signs dur during all the tests that they gave him. Now, he's just not a football player's dad. He's also was a professional baseball yeah. player himself. He was a pitcher for the Mets. I was going to say, for sure, yeah. Yeah, and that's the other thing is I also read I also read that apparently – that apparently he's still going to be able to go to the Super Bowl in Las Vegas. That's that's the point I'm looking to make. Unreal. I'm seeing here, in 2018, Mahomes Sr. received his second DUI charge and served 40 day, days in jail on weekends in 2019 and 2020. Since when are you allowed to just go to jail on weekends in 2019 and 2020? But that was his second DUI charge. Yeah. They go soft on him because of who he is. I mean, we want to mm -hmm. talk about privilege. Well, let's talk about this privilege here. Yeah, for 2019 sure. and 2020, he served a 40-day jail sentence just on the weekends for his second DUI. Must be nice. First and foremost, they should make sure this guy is in jail for the Super Bowl and he has no access to listen to it or watch it. I agree with Th you. That would just be just for starters. Yeah. And unfortunately, the, the thing is, I, I agree with you on every level as far as no access, whether it should be radio, TV, or even talking to Patrick or his brother Jackson, who is polarizing himself. But you read about this, and you hear that this is his third one. They're talking about two to ten years. Unfortunately, like you were saying, someone of that magnitude, you know that probably nothing will come of this whatsoever, sadly. And again, I just want to reiterate, this has yeah. no, no reflection on, on Mahomes, no. Jr., on Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. This is his dad. His dad is a grown man. Patrick's a grown man. It just, you know what? Obviously, this is his third arrest. He, yeah. he hasn't learned a lesson. Maybe not seeing his son play on the greatest stage in the world, not hearing about it till a couple days afterwards to find out even what happened, wakes him up a little bit. I yes, agree. he should go through his trial. Yes, he should do things. But if I was any sort of a reigning judge on this, I would say, nope, you are mandated to jail. No radio, no TV until after the Super Bowl. And then we'll talk about bail and your trial. And definitely need some professional help, I would say, as well. That, this that, is his third one. Yeah, that goes without saying. I mean, at and, what point, and, and like you said here, if there was a beer in the car, yeah, obviously he has zero care about what's going to happen. And the thing is, like you were talking about, Rob, just because Patrick Mahomes Sr. is like this and just because, just because Jackson Mahomes is polarizing in itself, Patrick Mahomes is a totally different person, you know, Totally different person compared to his father and his brother. Oh, yeah. 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 I, like, that's why I want to reiterate. This has zero reflection on him. These are all grown adults, but he needs to learn a lesson. And maybe not seeing your son, <clears throat> I mean, he doesn't seem to care about the law. Maybe he cares about his family a little bit. I, I don't know. he's above the law. Yeah, obviously. It's uh, coming up on 5 o'clock here at WILK. We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell Show after the break.